What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. I am the host, as always, Eric Elliott, and I'm also the owner and founder of Refocus Nutrition. Um, this week, we have a really exciting guest. Uh, we have Jason Phillips of IM3 Nutrition. Uh, he also is the founder and owner of Nutri- the Nutritional Coaching Institute. Um, Jason is my coach when it cam- comes to how I developed my uh, knowledge and education around nutrition. Uh, it's almost actually, it's very close to the one year anniversary that I went to Washington, D.C. to his certification um, there at the gym that we did our cert with. Um, I met Jason uh, and then over over the last year or so, we've been kind of off and on working together uh, building my brand in the business uh, that you kind of know today, um, along with helping and book as many guests as we could on this podcast to date as it's kind of continuing to grow. Uh, in this episode, we talk a lot a bit about how Jason got into nutrition coaching in general, how he built himself up his business. Um, but more than that, we help we help and talk a little bit about identifying um, how we how we go about getting to our certain goals how he got to where he is today, and also what he saw that was wrong within the CrossFit industry, as well as the nutritional periodization that has to go along with that. So I think there's a lot of really good things that people are going to take home here. Um, take some notes. As always, guys, definitely, if you if you find value in this podcast, um, you know, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story, tag me. And if you tag me, then we're going to help show and share it with more people um, as well. So tag other people that you think you know, might actually enjoy listening to this. And then I can, once you tag me, then I can see how, uh, how this podcast is growing and we can get more guests on, uh, and talk about more things that you guys are interested in listening to. So as always guys, uh, thanks so much for listening. And for now, here is Jason Phillips. And we're back guys with Jason Phillips, owner of IN3 Nutrition and also the founder and owner of NCI Nutritional Certifications Institute. So Jason's here to talk all things nutrition, mindset, and training with us today. Um, but I wanted to go back and tell you guys and get Jason to tell you a little guy, you guys a little bit about who he is because he's got a really, a really interesting past uh, in terms of where you came from. Um, so yeah, give us the the Cliff Notes version of the important things, Jason, that we need to know about you uh, in terms of how how you got to where you are. Um, from the very challenging uh, past that you've had. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I kind of like you know, I, I tell my story and I, I tell piece of it just because I really think that inside of our space right now, a lot of people have a very difficult time connecting to you know coaches. I think there's a lot of like, you know, with with the rise of social media, there's a lot of people that have gotten themselves in shape and they instantly want to call themselves a coach. And you know, I, I think that what works for one person obviously doesn't work for everybody. And, and I think that's becoming more of an epidemic than, you know, helpful. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, I started as an anorexic dude and, and, you know, my, my relationship with food was very much like most of the people that will hear this, which is not very good. Um, you know, we didn't know where food fits in our lives in terms of help and we didn't really know, uh, what we wanted. And, and, you know, we, we were looking to food as, as the solution and reality, there was a lot of other solutions that needed to come with the food. And so, uh, you know, fortunately for me, I, I was able to overcome an eating disorder that was pretty paralyzing in my life. Uh, and it immediately set me on the path to desiring to pay it forward, to immediately wanting to, you know, it was my vehicle to success, man. I, I was this kid that 
I was 19. I was anorexic. I was lost. I, uh, I was suicidal. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, figuring out the nutrition and the fitness part immediately gave me hope to, to pay it forward. And so I said, well, if health and fitness is my vehicle to success, I need to pay it forward and, and give that to everybody else. And, uh, you know, that, that was what I did, man. I transferred to a school in Florida. I got my degree. I immediately started helping people. And, uh, you know, fast forward 15, 16 years, here we are today where I'm very fortunate to sit, sit atop two companies that, uh, you know, one delivers direct value to individuals and the other is creating education so that individuals like yourself can go out and, and pay it forward directly to individuals. And, uh, you know, both of which are, are extreme passion projects for me and uh, really gets me excited. Yeah, I think that like you, you your passion uh, and anything that you see, whether that's your own content, whether that's uh, at your seminars or just on Instagram, wherever, you can see that seeping through really, really clearly. Like it's not like you have to fake it that you're interested in nutrition and in helping other people. Um, when it comes to that, how do you how how did that initially come for you when you figured out the nutrition aspect and the interest for you? Was it like, because some people, you know, like for myself, I can speak clearly that I need that education aspect to make me feel validated that I can help other people. But what for you, was it education and also figuring it out for yourself? Because I know you, you mentioned in your past stories before about getting that like 4,000 calorie prescription initially and then yeah. that working out for you. So how was that? How did you learn to, to become the nutrition coach, I guess you are today? I mean, I think that the prerequisite, the first prerequisite for anyone is helping people for the right reason, right? I, I think that I never cared about income relative to the space. I, like I said, I literally got in the space because it was so impactful in my life. And I, I was like, man, you know, I was on the border of basically ending my life at 19 years of age. And, and if I was there, there had to be other people who were kind of in the same self-imposed prison that I had created for myself. And I knew if I could just be an outlet to help other people, uh, it would be, it'd be pretty epic. And so that was my goal, man. As I, I just wanted to do that. Now, obviously, over the course of 16 years, I figured out if you really want to uh, be successful and you really want to have impact, you better have the education to back it up. Um, and so I really you know, dedicated myself to my craft and, and wanted to become one of the best. And then inside of that, is actually when I realized that the, the industry as a whole was largely the problem that, that set me back into the anorexia, right? Because it, it wasn't, I didn't just wake up one day and was like, oh my God, I'm fat. I need to get really skinny. And then like, that's just not how it worked. It was the perpetuation of me trying to achieve physical goals and the lack of quality information that actually sent me into this nasty downward spiral and this nasty rabbit hole. So as I continued to learn that, and as I continued to see all the things that were wrong in the space, I said, oh my goodness, I need to go out and I need to create education in this space. And that was really what led us to where we are today was I, I just kept seeing so many things that were broken, nobody really being willing to fix it. Uh, and, and that was my, that was just my mission, man. Like I, I just want to fix it. Fundamentally, you know, I tell everybody in, in 10, 15 years, man, if the world is in a better place from a nutritional foundation, uh, then I feel like I will have done my job. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's, that's the way that you're, you're leading that by example, in terms of coaching and creating coaches that know what they're talking about and, and are going towards the right avenues with regards to like relationships with food and things like that. 
How did you identify that within yourself when it comes to a poor relationship with food and, and things like that initially? Like what were your, what were your biggest misconceptions like within that? Uh, I think you were modeling for Abercrombie and Fitch at the time. Like what was that initial <laughs> part where you were like, those were the eye opening things. Obviously the calorie thing was, you know, a bit of a shocker to you too, but um, was it like, were you learning that, you know, chicken breasts and broccoli wasn't the key to having a great body and feeling great? Or what were the, the big eye-opening things that you learned about nutrition right away? Well, I, I think that's where, like, the misconception comes in is I don't really think that I ever realized it early on. Like, I didn't even realize the mistakes I was making. And, and it's cra- as crazy as it is, is, like, somebody said to me, hey, you're, uh, you know, you need to eat 4,000 calories, right? That was ultimately how I overcame anorexia. I didn't realize that that 4,000 calories was directly contrary to my 800 calories. And that's, that's crazy to say, right? Because it just mm-hmm. sounds so obvious. If somebody tells you eat 4,000 calories, you're currently eating 800 calories, clearly there's a discrepancy. I just was like, okay, I'll do what it takes. It's, it's really been like the period of time between then and now and every day that I continue to live, that I learn more and more about myself and I continue to see like the mistakes I was making back then. I, I really believe that like we all want there to be this one piece of information that pulls us out of negativity and inserts us into positivity. And the reality is that doesn't exist. I believe that there's a series of things that happen in your life that create awareness. And as you become more aware, you start to be able to identify habits that move you forward and habits that don't move you forward. Because from a nutritional protocol, there isn't just one thing that's going to move you forward. And there's also not just one thing that's moving you backwards. There's a series of things that continue to happen in your life that you allow to happen in your life and that ultimately can move you forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And one of the things you said in that initial Barbell Shrug podcast, and if you haven't listened to that already, guys, I would definitely go back uh, and listen to it. It's from 2016. It's where I first heard of Jason. Um, initially I really have no idea why I downloaded that specific podcast. It wasn't like a compulsive listener at the time, but I stumbled upon it and here we are <laughs> today. Um, but one of the things you said in that podcast was that you were more or less blessed with an eating disorder that taught you kind of everything you need to know. And like, and you said it another time in that podcast that like you were given certain things over the last 15 years and certain struggles that you learned um, and made you better today. And you, you ultimately made the point that, you know, those, that, that adversity actually made you the coach and the person you are today. Tell me a little bit about what you learned through that eating disorder that makes you a good coach today, because I know there's probably tons of clients you talk to on an everyday basis that are going through some of those same mental struggles with eating disorders, um, that you can speak firsthand experience to and can't just, you know, give them, give them like, words of advice and feeling empathy without actually truly feeling empathy because you've been there and you've been through the the shit parts of your life. Yeah. I think that's really, I think you just nailed it, man. It's like, you know, I I definitely do say, and listen, first and foremost, I would never wish an eating disorder on my own worst enemy. It is, uh, you know, here I am 34 and, and I don't think anybody ever truly completely overcomes it. I think you just manage the thoughts a little bit better. Uh, I mean, I would, I'd be lying to say that at 34, I don't still have body image issues at times. Um, it's just not true. Like I, I definitely do. Um, you know, so, but I, I do believe it was placed in my life because I had this ability to connect with people and, and I had this ability to accumulate knowledge. And so 
it, you know, it was just whatever higher power you believe in, it was put into my life to really solidify the foundation and the connection between nutritional knowledge and interpersonal connection and, and being able to empathize with people in their given state. Um, you know, I think you and I can both agree on the fact that if nutrition was as simple as calories and macronutrients, everybody would be successful. Yet there's endless amounts of resources out there that tell you how to appropriately prescribe calories and macros, and yet we have an obesity epidemic in our world today. So as knowledge is becoming more and more available, we continue to get fatter and fatter. And that blows my mind, yet it reinforces everything that I preach in the sense that it's not 100% correlated to the food. It's the way in which you implement the food inside of your own life. The things that you're willing to do and not willing to do, the things that you can and cannot handle, and, and the way in which you truly want to live and how that connects to other areas of your life. Um, and and that's, the, that's the thing that you know, we're, all, we're all chasing, is, is that elusive success that we've all built in our heads, yet I, I think that we're all going about it the wrong way. Yeah, like again, I couldn't agree more. And one of the things you said in that podcast and also at our level one was, you're right, like good nutrition is not rocket science. Like if you put broccoli and chicken in front of someone and a Big Mac on the other plate, nine, I think 99 people out of 100 or more could figure out that the broccoli and the chicken is a more quote unquote nutritious option. But yet at least half of us aren't choosing that, right? So why, like... This is kind of a loaded question, but why are people self-sabotaging when it comes to their diet um, and nutrition in ways that you've seen over those past 15 years through probably hundreds of different people? So I think every amount of success in life comes back to self-awareness, right? And, and I think, like you said, it's not very difficult to distinguish between you know, a salad and a Big Mac. Um, yet, again, like you said, people are continuing to make the wrong decisions. And, I, I don't even want to categorize them as wrong. I, I think they're just making decisions that gratify them. And so if we look at that and we say, okay, well, the Big Mac is making you happier. Well, why is it making you happier? What do you ultimately want out of your diet? And what I believe is that our you know, society as we know it today has pigeonholed dietary success um, purely to the metrics of weight loss and cosmetic gain. And I don't necessarily believe that to be true. I think that you know, athletes obviously want to perform and recover better. Individuals certainly can achieve improved cosmetics and aesthetics, but then some people just want to live forever, right? And this is the whole, like, the whole triangle of awareness principle that I believe. But, you know, there's so many people that, you know, I told them if I could give you, if I, you could look in the mirror and you, and you would love what you see and your husband or wife said to you, wow, honey, you look great and your children enjoy every ounce of time that they spend with you and you go to work and you have all the energy in the world, you would be happy. And they say, yes. But then if you came home and you stepped on the scale and the scale was eight pounds higher, even though you just went through that day that you told me you'd be happy about, what would your mindset be? And they all say, I'd be pissed off. And it's like, okay, well, you've just given away the power to this number, yet all of the metrics that you were really caring about that we showed improvement in are creating success. So I, I think that so many people just don't know what they truly want. Uh, and, and I think that if we started leading conversations with what people actually want and why they wanted it, the dietary process would improve, right? And so I have this whole principle that far too many people lead with the question of how instead of leading with what and why. 
If you started leading with what and why, the how begins to reveal itself. If you started leading with the how, then you're probably living inside of the wrong what and why, and it won't be sustainable. Yeah. And like speaking from like, you didn't coach me on nutrition, but you did coach me on, you know, business and getting quote unquote, getting shit done. Um, you like, it was the same thing, right? Like figuring out the why and, and stop, like you talk a lot about on your podcast and your content about stop worrying about the tactics and, and the, and the, how it's going to get done. Just put the work in and, and figure out yep. why you want what you want. And then the rest of it's going to figure out itself. Let's talk a little bit about um, advancing a little bit how you got into CrossFit because that's really how I came across you um, as a fan sure. and a doer of CrossFit. Um, when did you start coming into CrossFit? Because I know you were a fan of it and also like you did a little bit of it before. And yeah, tell me what you learned about it initially from a nutrition perspective because I think that that's one of the things you're known for most today. Yeah, so I think that one of the it's really important that people understand my journey with CrossFit because once again it's it's yet another failure I had in my life that illuminated a positive path for me. Uh, you know, when I was in the bodybuilding and physique world, I got bored with you know hypertrophy training pretty quickly, and so then I uh, I worked with a guy by the name of Scott Abel, and Scott had this whole like metabolic enhancement training protocol, and it was basically like met it was it was like metcons before we called them metcons. Um, and, and I loved it, man. Like it was very high intensity. It kept me really lean. Like I, I really loved my time in the gym. Um, you know, like prior to this, like if you ever saw like a bodybuilder doing like, you know, dumbbell snatches with rotational work, with core work, like stacked on top of each other, um, you know, it's like, you'd be like, oh my God, that doesn't happen. I mean, today it happens a little more often, but you know, so back then it was pretty revolutionary. And so you know, I, I got I got pretty bored, uh, and and to be honest, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but I I woke up on a Saturday morning. I was visiting my parents in Hilton Head, and I'd been following this CrossFit thing for quite some time, seeing the physiques that were produced, and just like ninety nine percent of people that were listening to this, like blown away, and was like, man, I want to look like that, but I also want to be able to do that. Um, and so I'm literally on my computer at like eight a.m. in uh, Bluffton, South Carolina, where my parents live. And I'm looking up the nearest CrossFit gym, which is on the island in Hilton Head. Said, well, free class every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. I was like, done. Literally ate something, like got dressed, got in the car and went down. And I was like hooked. I was like, this is amazing. Um, ended up taking like two more classes. And that next week I moved down to Florida and I joined my first CrossFit gym, which was Gardens CrossFit in Palm Beach, California, or I'm sorry, Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, yeah, man, like I, I just, I really got into it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much, uh, um, I'm very much like a, I don't know how to say it, like perfectionist or like, I always want to win. I always want to be the best, like to a fault. So of course I, you know, I immediately got caught up in the competitive culture of CrossFit. Yeah, definitely type A as fuck. Um, (laughs) but like, you know, I, I got caught up in the competitive culture of CrossFit very quickly yet. I have to remind you, I was coming from the physique world. So I was still using physique dietary principles. I had not ever dabbled in performance nutrition at all at this point, right? So I'm using physique-based principles. I'm not, uh, I'm not really consuming carbs throughout the day. I'm having carbs around my training. Um, and unbeknownst to me, you know, I, I really hadn't conceptualized the whole neurological adaptation phases. I hadn't conceptualized the cortisol connections, the HPA axis connections. I literally was just living and training and getting better rapidly, just like everybody does. and like 
you know, in the gym, the coaches are like, oh, you're getting so good so quick. You're going to be great. And out of nowhere, man, like I hired a coach and I just started crashing and I couldn't figure out why, dude. And I'm talking like I would get up and do my morning aerobic work. And I mean, dude, getting me off the couch to go back and do my PM work at two o'clock was like, it's like pulling my fucking 90 year old grandpa off the couch. Like it just <laughs> not happened. And, uh, like I couldn't figure it out. And so it set me in this rabbit hole of education and dude, I, I realized all the negative things I had done to myself. And, uh, you know, once again, just like anorexia, I said, listen, not going to let this happen to anybody else. I'm going to make this knowledge public because it's not being discussed. And, uh, I started doing that, dude. And my ideas are, were very radical at the time. I think they're becoming widely accepted now, mm-hmm. um, but they were very radical at the time. And, and so people were willing to at least listen. Not everybody accepted at the time. A lot of people told me I was wrong. Uh, but then today, like I said, I think my ideas are becoming more accepted. So I've always stuck true to what I believe to be the truth. Uh, and I always speak my truth. You know, like I think that uh, there are several things I still to this day don't know. And I, I try to be relatively open and honest about the things I don't know so that we can all investigate. We can all learn. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head too. Like you were kind of swimming against the grain when you first started. Cause let's, let's put like a, a timestamp on that. Like you were probably like, that's, it's fair to say you were probably starting to preach that information in the 2013, 2014, 15 kind of era. Is, is that yep. fair to say? Agreed. And that's, yeah. Like, I mean, what are we 2019? So I, I would say 20, 2013, 2014 was when I was really doing it. Yep. Yeah. And that's and like, if we, if we kind of cycle back in the, the history of CrossFit, um, that's when like we were still preaching. I say we, from a CrossFit perspective, I don't know how I just got employed there, but, um, we were preaching so more, more of a, a paleo approach, right. Which is very low in carbohydrates as we talked about. Um, and one of the, one of the founders, I don't know if you want to call him a founder, but, um, one of the people behind that approach is Rob Wolf. And <clears throat> he, even he will write in his own book. Um, that for higher level CrossFitters, it's not a great approach to do more of a paleo approach with not having very many carbohydrates. So would you say that was one of the the first things you saw uh, that you wanted to deal with when it comes to CrossFitters? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because obviously when I got into it, you know, I was like my local gym was trying to, you know, shove paleo down my throat. And, you know, so I, I looked more into this whole paleo thing and and I said to myself, I'm like, I just don't comprehend how I can get the fuel I need from this. Um, and like I said, as I continue to learn about the cortisol connection and the hormonal connections, um, you know, I, I started to realize there's no way in hell this diet works for CrossFitters. And, and then I started, you know, get, people were asking me for help. And I started like really creating connections with, uh, you know, with where athletes were with what the problems were, with the problems I had seen myself go through. And that's really like when I started having these breakthrough moments, man. And I just, anybody that knows me knows I'm very outspoken and I I don't ever hold back. And so I just said, listen, it's me against the world at this point. And I'm okay (laughs) with that. Um, And, you know, I I have to speak the truth, man. Like, you know, anytime you step foot in one of my rooms and, and, you know, whether you play a business game with me or a nutrition game with me, uh, you know, rule number one is always tell the truth. And, you know, we don't worry about the perceptions of others. And, and at the time, it was very much like, I mean, dude, I got a lot of hate in the very beginning. People were like, this guy's nuts. And, and now I think people know that, like, I, I just speak what I believe to to be the best information for people. You know, it's not about getting a rise out of people. It's literally, um, 
it's just what I know is going to help, man. And, and I, again, I believe I was gifted with the HPA axis dysfunction and with all of the things that I went through, because I know personally how hard it is to go from, you know, 12 training sessions a week down to three and like the mentality that goes with that. And to go from really doing this activity and this sport and caring about how you look to removing the aesthetic pieces. Um, it is one of the hardest things you will ever do from a mental perspective. But I was very gifted to go through it because now I can create that emotional connection to others and guide them through the journey that I went on. And I think that's super important. Absolutely. So one of the things, or there's a, like I said before, there's a couple things that came out of I think you're learning in your education over the years within the sport of CrossFit um, that you've applied in, in not only I'm assuming your clients, but as well as the coaches that you coach at NCI is the ideas of nutritional periodization and um, the triangle of awareness. Cause you talked about how, you know, you were eating more for an aesthetics basis when you first got into uh, CrossFit and then you had to change a little bit to performance, although it was probably after you had already done some damage to yourself. How do you, how did you come up with that model of a triangle of awareness um, and kind of explain for people in, in Cole's notes version, what that looks like? Because like I talk about it, I use it a lot in seminars and, and, and breaking it down for people. Cause I don't think people realize that they like a lot of the training that they do with the, the nutrition they've paired up are often competing different theories on what you're trying to accomplish. Completely agree. Yeah. So I'll tell you the exact origin. So I was actually uh, the nutrition coach at OPEX for, um, and actually this is before they became OPEX, it was OPT at the time. Uh, so I was working with all of their clients. And I remember like, <clears throat> you know, James and I had had this conversation around, you know, food quality and, and he had kind of come from like this, this food quality background. And, and I challenged him on it. And I said, dude, like you can eat all the fucking micros you want, but like, if you're not eating enough calories, you're going to suck at the sport. And he was like, okay, I guess you're right. But then I was coming from this physique space of if it fits your macros where I'm like, well, I don't care if you're eating spinach or gummy bears. Like, at the end of the day, a carb's a carb. Well, that <laughs> clearly wasn't right for, uh, you know, for performance either. And so, like, we kind of found this happy medium. I vividly remember saying, like, are there any – like, I, I wrote this on Facebook. I, I would love to find it. I said, like, are there any CrossFitters that, that are using, like, if it fits your macros? And this girl wrote, like, I have an ice cream sandwich every day before I train. And, and I love it. And I was like, I, like I was being such a dickhead, but I was like, well, yeah, but are you actually fucking good? And like, <laughs> like she was just like a very like low level athlete. Like, and, and it's a very dickheaded thing to say, but, and I certainly could have had a lot more tact in the way I approached it. But, um, I, I basically was proving the point like, Hey, yeah, you can do it, but is it optimal? And so instantly in that moment, I'm like, wait a minute, we're all playing different games. Like, this girl is just trying to look good as a result of CrossFit. She doesn't care if she's a CrossFit Games athlete, so her approach works. James was trying to be go back to the CrossFit Games because he won the first ever Games and win the Masters Games. Okay, his approach works for him. And I, I just started going through everything, and I'm like, wait. I'm like, no one's right, no one's wrong. Everyone's right, everyone's wrong. It's application-specific. And so that led me to my number one rule of nutrition is context is king. We can have a nutritional discussion around anything you want. But unless we understand the context of why we're having the discussion, it's a waste of time. Yeah, like a hundred percent. So when it comes to when it comes to the three different, you know, 
aspects with that. We have our health, we health and longevity game. We have our obvious, our performance one as well. Um, and we have our aesthetic one. Um, speaking just within the performance one, because I feel like that's the one that's the one we deal with the most. And it's, I feel like CrossFit is so hard within this triangle of awareness because you got different angles with everyone that's preaching different things, you know, like HQ, like they've taken a very big emphasis recently on the fact that they want the longevity game and whether that's actually being translated in the boxes is uh, up for a different conversation, I guess. Um, but the one as a nutrition coach for two different gyms that I see the most is that aspect of, I really want to look good, but I also want to perform really well. Um, tell yep. me a little bit about how you've taken that, both with amateur CrossFitters that you've had as clients, but also the, the higher level people as well that you've worked with, because I know you've worked with past games athletes um, and still games athletes now. And a lot of the people that, you know, they want to get there, but they still also want to look good. And you're, you're kind of famously known for saying that like Matt Fraser didn't win the games because he has fucking ab he has the best abs out there. Like that's not why he wins. Right. So yeah. tell me a little bit. About well, first that. of all, he doesn't, he doesn't have the best abs. So that's true. Um, <laughs> and like I, I would argue there are far better looking males that, uh, you know, that are at the game. So, you yep. know, that's just validation of what I say, but um, yeah, like it, it's just factual, man. Like it, you know, again, like just using like the one principle I just said, like, let's understand the context. and. And so I'll use another athlete that I think is a perfect example is Carly Matthews. When, when she came to me, you know, she was like wanting to stay lean, but she needed to improve her performance. In our very first conversation, I said, listen, this is the foundation of our work together. Um, when you go into the CrossFit game season, I will likely take your abs from you. Uh, I said, but then you have to have full faith in me that I'll give them back to you after the season. And she said, well, if that's the case, then I'm in. And I said, okay. I said, you will get them back, but you got to trust me in everything I say. And she was on board. And, you know, we had two fantastic years together when, uh, before she got injured. And so, you know, it's one of those situations, man, where, again, it, because the general public looks at CrossFit and because those athletes tend to be very lean individuals, they start creating correlations that are simply not true. Um, the, the general public has created correlations that CrossFit plus nutrition equals RIP plus high-end performance. Um, the truth is CrossFit yields high-end performance, and a byproduct of, of, of high-end performance is, is having your body um, remain close to its set point, right? And, and so a lot of these people are just genetic outliers that have a naturally lean set point, uh, and, and so they're able to operate there. I will tell you this, the athletes that continue to excel are the ones that don't give a shit about how they look and the ones that are willing to simply eat and recover as, it, you know, as they need to. Really good example, when I worked with Travis Mayer, uh, you know, we finished 10th in the world, which was his best ever finish. Um, we didn't care about how he looked going in. And when we went to the CrossFit Games, we were having 700 grams of carbs per day every night at the CrossFit Games. We were having a burger and fries. Now, nowhere in the world will you see me say that 700 grams of carbs and a burger and fries every night is remotely healthy or a really good idea for aesthetics. However, in the current context of us surviving and thriving for five days, it was the correct protocol. And that's where people are missing the boat. You're taking one thing I did and you're trying to apply it to all modalities with a universal application. 
and nothing I ever say or do has universal application. Yeah, exactly that. Like last week, I just had Noah Noah Olson on the podcast, and he talked about how his macros right now he's sitting around like 500 grams of carbs. Um, and a lot of people who who listen to the podcast and and know me came up to me and said like 500 grams. Should I start doing that? I was like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not as simple as that, right? Noah's training six hours a day. It's it's crazy to think that you should just do the same things as another athlete is doing just because of whatever works that way, right? So. Um, yep. one of the things I would say about that too, is like, how do you, how do you periodize that with that, with, with your nutrition that way? Just because a lot of it can change, um, in the blink of an eye with that. Like I know Matt Fraser was on a podcast and he talked about how he took an entire month off, um, from training over the, over the winter break, just because he wanted to like continue to get better. And his first workout back was actually the first 19 was actually 19.1 which is crazy to think the best athlete in the world took a whole month off of training yeah yeah and well it's crazy to most people to think that to me i said why like of course you did like you should be right and so what we have to understand so fundamentally i mean there's a principle every dose of stress requires a dose of recovery and so if we look at the the season and, and this you know, it's probably easier to use like a, another sport, right? So in Canada, you guys talk about hockey. In the U.S., we talk more about football, right? Like if you look at the season, dude, the season is one long stressor. You're constantly stressing. You're constantly competing at your highest level day in, day out. You're traveling, right? You don't have time to go into recovery mode, to take time off. And so if your season, let's just arbitrarily say it's three months, you probably need close to three months to recover right? There's hormonal implications, there's metabolic implications, there's physical implications, there's physiological implications. We have to be in a position where we've recovered from that because when you move into your off season, like you said, Matt said he wants to be better. So when Matt moves into a time where he's looking to get better, better in his sport is defined by stronger, you know, uh, better gymnastics, better technique, uh, and faster, and you know whatever other variables are included in what he's doing right and so as if he wants to create that improvement he has to have the natural prerequisites in his body to facilitate that meaning he must have adequate hormone levels he must his body must be near homeostasis to facilitate that adaptation very few people in this world are taking the time to recover from the stressors in their life to set them up at a foundation to create the necessary adaptation moving forward. Now, I've also gone on record recently, and I've said that I don't think anybody will move themselves up the ladder of CrossFit to their true peak potential unless they start competing far less often. And, and I fundamentally believe if anybody wants to catch Matt Frazier right now in his prime, they need to be competing once every two years. I think it's that minimal. I think any more than that, you're not putting yourself in a body to, or in a position to get better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that was one of the questions I kind of had later on too, was because I listened to uh, uh, James Fitzgerald on Cody's podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about the fact that, you know, people are just competing far too much right now in the sport and they shouldn't be competing as much as they are. Um, just briefly, how do you... And that's partially, that's just partially the fault of gym owners, right? Like most people mm -hmm. get into the gym owning business and it's because they love the competition side and fair play, man, like chase your passion. But 
at the same time, understand what you're doing to these people. Like, you cannot, in, like, proper, like, health and faith, like, tell somebody to compete this frequency. I understand being a, a fan of the competition arena, but you just cannot advise those things. Yeah, 100%. And that's, that's what I definitely, I just had a, a meeting with another client this morning, and we talked about the fact that, like, you have to pick, you know, like other sports, you have to pick three, four months a year. If you're going to do multiple competitions, they have to be inside of that window so that you can maximize your training and actually recovering uh, the other times of the year. Now that I know that we talked a little bit of nutrition and stuff like that too, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you've done uh, with your career and your business over the last little bit. Because like I said, when I first came across you two, no, I guess it's three years ago now, oh, 2016, um, you were big into nutrition and you still definitely are. There's no question about that. But at the same time, you've obviously gone a lot on the mindset aspect of things, um, both with business owners and nutrition coaches as well. Um, so tell me why that's been such a focus for you and, and how you've transformed yourself and your business that way, because I think it's, it's such a, such an important part of where you're taking yourself in the future. Well, yeah. So fundamentally, like, you know, I kind of came to this conclusion. And so when I started my business, man, I was a solo act. Like I did everything. And, you know, I, I famously tell the story of, I got to 167 clients on my own and dude, that took all my time. And I, I started hitting this, you know, this point where I was like, man, like I need to, I, I need to be able to reach more than 167 people because I, I believe the ideas that were bring into this world are, are, are certainly better than most of what's out there. And so that's what I realized. Like I, I needed to start putting out resources to help more people and, and to build out things where other coaches could do it. And so I started kind of creating the shift. Obviously it started with me building a team. Um, but I, I just started, you know, again, we go back to the whole what and why, well, what do I want? I want maximal impact. Why do I want it? Because I believe that the world is fundamentally miseducated and they're misapplying. Um, and so the how is, well, I started kind of creating protocols um, to reach more coaches and more people that could then go out and pay it forward. Um, and so I've talked about this billion person mission. If I can educate a million coaches and each one touches a thousand people, then we will hit a billion people reached in this world. Well, that's awesome. Um, so that's really what I'm after, man. Uh, you know, for me, I started realizing when I look back over everything I did, the knowledge was already, was always out there. I actually probably said it at the start that you were there. I said, nothing I'm going to teach you this weekend is something you can't find on Google. What I believe the, the reason for the, the level of knowledge and the level of education that NCI brings is we understand application on a level that nobody else does. And that's where the real magic lives. There's some mindset components there. There's some self-help components there, right? Because you know, if you're not whole, your clients will not get what they need from you. And so there's a lot of components that I think most entrepreneurs in general miss, but especially nutrition coaches. You know, you got these nutrition coaches going out there trying to be 5% body fat, compete at the highest level of CrossFit, and then they think that they're going to have the energy and mindset necessary to guide another individual's life. No chance, dude. Like, I quickly realized that as a coach. I had to give up a lot of my own personal uh you know, higher end aspirations if I really wanted to give of myself maximally. Um, and that was a decision, excuse me, that was a decision that I freely made uh, and, and one that I'm still extremely proud of. Yeah. Tell me a little bit of how you juggle that. Cause I know for you, like you're someone that had like, you're, you used to love lifting. I'm sure you still do love lifting. 
you love, like you got, you had some big numbers. Uh, you, again, you probably still have some big numbers, but at the same time, training probably doesn't take the same emphasis in your lifestyle that it once did. Um, just because of like all of the balls that you're juggling in the air, like training for more, for some points of your life, I'm sure has gone by the wayside. So how do you juggle that? And how, what's your advice for people who might be listening to this, who are doing the same thing, trying to juggle that and figuring out their priorities in life? Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to like asking the right questions, but I got to tell you, it was one of the hardest things I ever did. Yep. Um, telling, telling me I can't do five days of CrossFit per week was like, dude, I fought it for probably two years to be totally honest. It took me two years to commit to something that I knew to be the truth, but because I was so mentally hung up on it, uh, I had a very hard time executing. Well, guess what? That's the same problem that our world has. We all know what we should be doing in most areas of life. Creating the commitment and, and understanding the outcomes is very difficult uh, because there's a lot of times like quote unquote side effects and I use that term really loosely, but you know, the side effect for me was I lost my enjoyment of training briefly. You know, I love getting in the gym, going for an hour intensely and getting out. Now I have to find myself in a more controlled setting where let me be honest with you, man, straight set hypertrophy, not as fun as CrossFit, just being super real. However, it is much more appropriate relative to my overall goal uh, and my largest goal. And so I've had to just come to that acceptance, dude. It's, it's still not easy today, 2019, but it's getting a lot better. I can tell you that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things you learned as well and you kind of implement with clients that you hear about on your podcast as well is that you can still push the aesthetics train. If, that's, if, like if, if aesthetics is what you care about for the time being, you can do it without killing yourself in the gym right you can like a lot of what brian borstein pushes with uh with functional bodybuilding ish uh style training um and functional training but not always doing just high intensity metcons you can still get a lot of really good results that way right absolutely i mean listen you can have really great results training three times a week full body like as long as you're matching up lifestyle you know stimulus and recovery you you can have all the results you want 100%. So when it comes to like juggling these two different fields, almost like nutrition and mindset or um, business, um, and they're almost not different fields, because like, you know, mindset is is almost all of nutrition anyways. But what are you what do you see? Do you see any commonalities in terms of what is holding people back within both fields? Dude, lack of self awareness, and pandering to the opinions of others are the single two killers of success in all walks of life. I don't care if it's nutrition, I don't care if it's training, I don't care if it's personal development, I don't care if it's business, I don't care if it's interpersonal connection and relationships. Like, dude, those are the two single biggest killers. Like, lack of self-awareness, fundamentally knowing what you want and why you want it, that's huge. Um, Number two, caring too much about what other people think. Dude, fundamentally, uh, my very first, you know, when I had anorexia, I, I don't tell the story very frequently, but you know, a lot of that was rooted in insecurity. Mind you, I was given this opportunity to model for Abercrombie, which let's be honest in 2002, every 18 year old's wet dream was <laughs> to model for Abercrombie. Right. And so I, you know, I certainly took the opportunity to do that. Um, but I, in my head, I never thought about like, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an Abercrombie model. I, I thought in my head, oh my God, girls are going to love me and guys are going to look at me like an alpha. 
Like that was literally the thoughts that were going through my head. I cared so much about what other people thought. It was never even a journey for myself. And ironically, I completely lost myself in that journey. Um, I think so many people are, are doing things for other people, you know? Some people are dieting so their spouses look at them differently. Oh, your spouse isn't going to look at you any differently if you weigh more or less. Like, it fundamentally, there's something that lives so much deeper. Uh, you know, people think that they're going to have the ability to make more money if they're leaner. Like, no, you're just, you're fundamentally going to have more energy, which gives you the ability to produce, but you still have to produce. And, you know, I, I've just, I've watched it happen. I've lived it. And, and I recognize that I have to be educated on the nutritional side because, again, you need to be very good at your craft. But I fundamentally believe that the mindset part is part of the craft. It's not just something I feel like I'm adding to it. It's actually the missing link that so many nutrition coaches don't understand. Uh, and that's why they're not able to facilitate the success they desire. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. And I think a lot of what you said, too, about, you know, is that, is that outside perspective of like looking around at what other people are doing in the industry or looking at what people think about you um, to, to validate why you're doing what you're doing rather than having that self uh, awareness of for, for why you do what you do. Um, it talks like it, it's, it speaks a lot to like where we are with social media and looking at social media, especially within the CrossFit space and, you know, following all these bigger named athletes and thinking like it goes back to that, that thinking, well, they're ripped. So I should be ripped too. Right. But these, we we fail to understand that at these people who are at the games level are like they're athletic freaks. Like what they're doing is is such a a short percentage of the population that we can't exactly always just compare ourselves to the rich fronings of the world, right? Because it's not it's not as simple as making that comparison. I, I I completely agree, but but like we also. I, I think that's a very easy comparison to understand, right? I think mm -hmm. everybody can conceptualize the fact that they shouldn't compare themselves to Froning. However, this is the crazy part. They'll watch what Froning does in <laughs> training and they'll watch what he does from a dietary perspective and they'll instantly start implementing it. Yep. Like you just said that you should not compare yourself to him, yet you want to take components of his lifestyle and act as if you were comparable to him. It doesn't add up. Like that to me is just mind-blowing that people can't create that connection in their head. Yeah, and that comes right down to the, the workouts, the nutrition, but also like I know I think you you tell the story about um, Rich doing that that squat clean EMOM for like thirty minutes at one eighty five, and him yep. doing it, and and it's the point like people re watch that video and think, wow, that's an awesome workout, but like you talk about the fact that like Rich isn't really working out when he's doing that, like that's him do nope. as you say taking foul shots. He's not working like that's not really that much work for him because it's it's like less than 50% of his one rep max, right? So like he's not working 100%, the same way that we're getting a, a massive stressor under something like that. Completely agree. And that's where, and again, the average person is going to watch that and they're going to be like, oh, he did it at 185. Well, I could beat Rich, so I'm going to do it at 205. But little do you know, him being willing to back off and do it at 50% is him crushing you in the long term. Yep, 100%. So one thing, or a couple more questions that I had for you. Um, one being that like now, now looking back, I think you said you're at 34 now looking back to that time when you were, you know, 19, you know, just coming out of high school and university and, you know, having that aspiring career as a golfer and then going through the, uh, the eating disorder and all of that mental health issues. Did you ever think you'd get to where you are today in terms of running two 
like very, very monetarily and also just nutritionally and everything else, successful companies. Um, but motivating people and, and thousands of people, whether they're coaches or athletes across the world. So this is what I really want. I hope that people take a lot out of this statement. Like, did I ever think I would get there? The answer is I really don't know because I never thought about it. Um, I never, I've never pictured the peak. Um, I, I've always pictured like, what do I need to do now? Right. And I've always lived, I, I, you know, I never realized that like the principle I lived inside of was the principle I was living. But, you know, I, when I rewind five years ago and, and six years ago and really going all in on this business, like I, I was always just looking at how can I help more people? And, and I was driven very strongly by the why of what I had been through. I wasn't worried about how much money it made or, uh, you know, how many people it touched. Like I, I just, I was so just living in the moment, man. And so, did I ever think it would get to this level? Fundamentally, I'd like to say sure, because I don't believe there's any limits in my life. In fact, I just made a Facebook post about that yesterday. I think that far too many people tend to set limits in their own lives instead of accepting possibility. Um, so I've never really lived with limits. Um, but then I'd be lying to say if I ever really tried to envision it, man. I, I didn't. This isn't where I thought I would end up, but I never thought I would end up anywhere. So. Uh, I think to me, the crazy part is where am I five years from today? Like that, that to me is where I'm like, wow, this is going to be a crazy ride because I don't have expectations for the next five years. So uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, that's one of the really good uh, mindset pieces that people should listen to in the Thursday thoughts is the, the expectations episode that you guys did a couple of weeks ago really hit home for a lot of, for, for me on a lot of things. And I know that I shared that with a lot of clients as well. One of the last questions I had for you too, um, and you talked about it already. So we talked about your, what the legacy you want to leave in terms of helping, you know, a billion people, but why I got into this, you know, after having a, you know, pursuing a journalism career and, and taking on a lot of debt and education to, to get that career, but realizing I hated it was that like you, I came into the industry with seeing a lot of people doing and spinning their tires, doing the wrong things when it came to nutrition and fitness. So I like, and I founded my, my nutrition company on the idea that people should refocus what they're doing because like, we're just doing a lot of the things that aren't going to ultimately lead to the success we want. So it's why it's the refocus nutrition podcast. So if there's one thing or a series of things that you think people should refocus themselves on, what is it so that people can actually get the results, whether it be, you know, aesthetics, performance, or health that we want to actually achieve in our lives? I think that number one, you need to get, like the very first thing everyone needs to do is get crystal clear on what they truly want. Like, and and that sounds very service level, but let me take it deeper for you. Um, You know, people say they want to lose weight or they want to do this and that's not true. Nobody, nobody wants to lose weight. People want the, the results that live behind losing weight. They want to finally look in the mirror and accept themselves. They want to uh, finally feel validated when their spouse looks at them. Or they want to find the spouse. Or they want more energy at work. Or, um, you know, that, that's what people want. So get crystal clear on what you want and be unapologetic about it, right? Don't, don't care what other people think. If you want to fucking be able to look in the mirror naked every day and be like, damn, I'm sexy. Great. Like that is a great goal because that self-belief is going to carry itself over into other areas of your life and you're going to crush it. So 
But, you know, saying that out loud might sound kind of goofy. So don't be afraid to say it out loud. And don't be afraid to do what you want to do because you want to do it. Nobody was put in this world to judge you. And if they judge you, that's on them. That's a reflection of their own insecurity. So all things are achieved through knowing what you really want. And ironically, as we've been recording, one of my WWE clients literally just texted me. and was like, man, like your podcast got me fired up. And he said, the quote that really fired him up today was believe your own hype. And so I'll give you that as part two. Number one, know what you want. Number two, believe your own hype. You decide what is possible in your own world. You know, when I started this business, I was overdrawn on my bank account. Yet I knew I could build one of the most impactful businesses in the world. It is asinine to think with zero dollars in your bank account that you can become the best in your space. Yet I knew if I just took it one step at a time, I could. And so I've always believed in my own hype. And I know that there's infinite possibility in the world. That's not being cocky. That's just being very committed to the craft and being very willing to do what it takes because I don't give a shit what people think. I don't care if they, they like my success or they don't like my success. As long as I'm adding value and very comfortable and I'm able to put my head on the pillow at the end of the night and go to sleep comfortably. And dude, that's what matters, man. Like that, that's truly what matters in my life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that, yeah, you're, you're definitely right with both of those points. Um, that's pretty much everything I have for you, Jason. I thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to come on the podcast. Uh, I know we're definitely going to touch base a few more times over, over our lifetimes for sure. Um, but tell everyone where we can find you, um, both on social media, um, but also talk a little bit about what you do for, for nutrition coaches as well. And also, um, the masterminds and not only that, you also have two books, macros explained and macros applied that I both think, and I have read are, are really good resources for people who, um, want to learn a little bit more about nutrition and how it kind of applies to their data lives. Yeah. Yeah, man. First of all, I appreciate it. So before I like plug any of my own shit, man, I always say that, you know, I'm always grateful for people like yourself that are just willing to go in and do it the right reasons. And I can tell you just watching your evolution and your growth. And like, it's, it's really cool. Like you're, you're definitely doing it for the right reasons. You're, you're a mirror image of me. You're, you're using your own stories and reflecting on them and paying it forward. And so it's really cool. It's really exciting to me to see what you're ultimately going to create. Um, so that gets me super excited. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, number two, man. Yeah. If anyone wants to find me, it's I N three nutrition in three, uh, nutrition.com or, uh, NCI certifications.com with an S. Um, you know, that's where you can find either our coaching consulting services or our certification. Um, and you know, obviously inside of both, I, I do have programs, one-on-one consulting. Um, and you know, if you are an entrepreneur and you want to learn how to grow your business, uh, you know, we do have the business coaching program or the mastermind where, you know, we've, we've taken people from, you know, zero to multiple six figures or seven figures. And, uh, you know, obviously we talked about the finance there because that's why people come to us. Uh, but you know, think about the impact associated with running a multiple six and seven figure business. Uh, you know, I'm very proud uh, about being able to, you know, pay that forward. Um, so yeah, man, that's, uh, that's what we do. Awesome. Yeah. I, I definitely couldn't appreciate more of the, uh, the nice words of advice. Like I said, it's been nearly a year that since I met you. So like, that's been, it's been quite a change in terms of what I did a year ago. It's cool to see how far you've come, man. Yeah, like a year ago, I was working as a. Uh, it was actually a year ago at this time. I was an employee, but 
a year ago, I was basically working minimum wage at a golf course, not doing anything nutrition wise. So yeah, it's definitely a big change from where I've come from a year ago. So I owe that all to you and, and the hard work that we've put in together. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Jason.